And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic Totally Football League show Barnsley eschew the shop like a newly registered Amazon Prime customer Whole fans delight at Turkish takeover talk It's cocks out at Scunthorpe Whilst Leighton disorientated by ref's dodgy timekeeping In association with Paddy Power this is the Totally Football League Show. It's a new week, a new month, but some things stay the same, like our commitment to bring you the best EFL podcast with the word totally in the title. I'm Matt. Joining me today, the tactical analyst Adrian Clark. Hello, Matt. Tried to throw you there by using the intro that gets used for you on another podcast, and by the look of it, it worked. <laughs> yeah, that was a little bit thrown. Um, but yeah, it's all good. I kind of am. Uh, my next guest recently became a father for the second time. That and the clock's going back I mean he's more out of sync than a referee at Brisbane Road. It's Sam Parkin. <laughs> uh, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time it is. And it's a long overdue debut for long-term friend of the show slash pod contributor from The Athletic. It's Nancy Frostick. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Matt. You okay? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Um, you've been as prolific at penning pieces as Alexander Mitrovic has been at grabbing goals. Give us give us some plugs for some of the stuff you got up on The Athletic, please. Oh. Crikey, what a, what an introduction that is. I don't, I don't know if I'll be on for like 44 by the end of the season. Um, recent stuff, did a really cool interview with Mo and Abu uh, Issa at, well, Mo's at MK Dons and Abu's at Bradford for part of the Athletics uh, Black History Month series. Um, so just chatted to them about their journey through football, coming up through non-league. Um, they've got such an interesting story, like moved to the UK when Mo was nine, I think, and Abby was six, um, and neither of them spoke any English, and they didn't really get picked up by an academy in London until they were about, well, until Mo was about 14. So like in footballing terms, nowadays kind of relatively late. And um, yeah, they've got a great relationship, and it was really fascinating to just hear about their like sibling rivalry and how they get on with each other and, and everything. And then another one fairly recently, I went to Rochdale, great game last weekend, um, last minute winner against Sutton and basically just caught up with them because uh, they've had their long rumbling kind of hostile takeover troubles, which I think they've kind of seen off now by issuing more shares. It's all a bit complicated kind of ownership stuff, but um, but it, it's all explained in the piece and, and thankfully they've kind of got over the worst of that now, I think, and the fans have been amazing, basically, just getting the club back. Yeah, fingers crossed on that one. Uh, remember, The Athletic is the only place you can read Nancy's work. Head to theathletic.com slash league show for a third off subscription if you haven't already got one. Right, we'll go to the championship next. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. Championship headlines, Barnsley have ditched manager Marcus Shop after a seventh straight defeat. 
Bournemouth remain unbeaten. They've made the best start ever to a championship season. 37 points after 15 games. Uh, the bottom three all lost this weekend, leaving the relegation places unchanged after fourth bottom Cardiff staged the comeback of the day. Neil Warnock equaled the record for the most matches as a manager in English Football League history on Saturday as Borough lost to Birmingham. He'll surpass it on Tuesday when he faces Luton at Kenilworth Road. And Hull City have entered a period of exclusivity with a prospective buyer. Uh, remember when phrases like that meant nothing to football fans? Those were happy days. The incoming owner is a Turkish media mogul with deep pockets, so kind of like Clarkey, but Turkish. Um, Nancy, what do you think to this? I'm always reluctant to say new owners are a good thing before they get their feet under the table because history tells us that that's not often the case. Um, But I guess many Hull supporters will be thinking anyone but Alam at this stage. Yeah, and it's kind of um, that weird, yeah, that weird thing, like you say, where a lot of the time I feel like football fans just think anyone but whoever they've got at the moment. But actually, quite often it can get worse, (laughs) Um, even, you know, even when you don't think it can. And that makes me think of obviously going back to the Rochdale piece I just mentioned where it's one of the cases where they've they've been a bit reluctant to kind of just think oh more money is a good thing because it doesn't always mean a good thing it doesn't always mean there's more money but now I think look whole whole fans have kind of been through it a bit the last couple of years and I know there's so many things that they're unhappy with so as long as new owners kind of doing the right things or willing to invest in the right areas that they want to hear from then I guess I guess it's a good thing. You just have to wait and see with these things, though, because they can always fall through and change at the last minute. Yeah, time will tell with that one. Uh, let's get to the weekend then, and in particular, the potteries. And hands up, who saw this coming? I simply do not believe it! Stoke 3-0 up and cruising until Cardiff. That's Cardiff, a team who scored precisely one goal in their last nine games, hit three in five minutes. Adrian, we'll, we'll start with Cardiff here, because really they're the story... Uh, of the game they might even have won it at the end I love this quote from Steve Morrison in charge for the day when he was asked did he fear the worst at 3-0 down he said fear the worst we had the worst we were 3-0 down it couldn't have got much worse could it Uh, how did they manage to come back (laughs) well he made some good changes or he made one big change in bringing on Mark Harris uh, on 52 minutes that it, it looks as if that was the the catalyst for for the comeback. He took off the young boy Evans and basically went with two up and one behind uh, in in Ruben Colwell. And they got a slice of good fortune, didn't they, with Colwell's strike. Kind of went through Bursic, the goalkeeper for Stoke. It was a bit of a shocker from him. And then the momentum built, didn't it? And and credit to them. I mean, it's a wonderful second half performance. In terms of why, I, I think he just built a more attack-minded team. A lot's been said about Mick McCarthy being ultra-cautious and whatnot. And, and yeah, he had Perry NG as one wing-back. He had uh, Giles on as the other wing-back. And, of course, Giles has been used as more of a forward player of late. And and, and those two offer great width. And, and for me, it was no surprise that Giles was the one who created the equaliser, drop of the shoulder, outside his man, whipped a beauty of a cross-in for Kiefer Moore. And... And myself and Sam have been saying this all season, that, that the team wasn't built to give Kiefer Moore the right service. But Steve Morrison built a side at the weekend that was constructed to to supply Kiefer Moore, who's you know, a fantastic centre forward at that level. And they had to wait until the second half for that to, to come to come to fruition. But when it did, it was there were scenes, weren't there? And the Cardiff fans were, were jumping around for the first time in ages. So yeah, well done. Well done to Morrison and and to Cardiff. 
Good day for you, Samuel. Kiefer Moore, top scorer shout, is still alive. Um, not not such a good day for Stoke, mind you. What's happened to them? Lost lost four on the spin before this in all comps, and, and this will feel like a defeat as well. I'm not too sure, Matt, to be honest. I think it's probably where they are right now. Probably get in that top six, and they're, they're, they're better than looking over their shoulders like they, they maybe have done in the last couple of seasons. So... I think this is probably where they are right now. I think when you look at this performance, some of it has to be down to the manager. I think at 3-1, you, you do something. Ordinarily, probably, if the momentum, as Clarkey says, is with the away side. So on reflection, should he have maybe gone with something a little bit more solid? I think he's built a side, built a, a squad, really, to play this way, 3 Five two, so to rip it up mid game would be a bit of a gamble. But I think moving forward, considering the last few results, um, not one in five now conceding goals as they were at the weekend, it might be a, a an opportunity to look at something else. And whether that's a back four, possibly, I think you need to keep the two up the pitch because I thought Brown and Fletcher were excellent in this game. But I think probably just to vary the structure of the side would be something we'll probably see in the next few weeks. And finally, I just wanted to say Fletcher's goal, the second one. It's either the best goal I've ever seen, <laughs> and nobody said this, mm. or it's the the biggest fluke you've ever seen. It's I don't know what it is. It's unbelievable. My it's like a, it's a sandwich. Yeah. It's a sandwich, yeah. but there's no bobble. It's, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm baffled. Uh, yeah, my, my my initial reaction was he didn't mean that. There's no way he meant that. Um, <laughs> go on, Nancy. What what you're saying? You can have the, you well, have the final uh, say. Having <laughs> watched two two and a half seasons of Stephen Fletcher at Sheffield Wednesday, I'm saying that's that is absolutely intentional. I've written Ooh. it down here. Second oh. goal, <laughs> like prime Fletcher. That is that like <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan though. Like he adds so much to a to a team, and also Jacob Brown. Yeah, like. He said he's just, both of them were great. But yeah, it's such a good, I think it's such a good finish. I don't know. They showed the replay quite close and I can't see that he scuffed his feet or like dug it in or anything or too much. It's, I don't know. It's, it's really it's odd, weird. but it goes in at, it goes in at such a pedestrian pace. I mean, yeah. that's the kind of thing you might try in training once it's finished, <laughs> you know, when you're messing around <laughs> with a few of the players. So I can't imagine he's gone for that. I think it's good, good fortune. I'd like to bring some clarity to it, but a little peek behind the curtain here, listener. Me and Abby kind of write the script together and we put a load of notes down. And she wrote, Stoke's third goal from Stephen Fletcher is very, very good. And I put dash fluke slash shank. So um, us two are uh, none the wiser either. Um, on the Cardiff manager situation, Nancy, I'm sure Steve Morrison would like it. But but generally in, in their kind of post-Solshar era, they tend to go with experience more than not. That, that may well count against him, you'd think. Yeah, you can't really get more experience than, than Mick McCarthy and Neil Warner, but you know, before. So um whether that might be the reason now that they decide to change it up a bit and, you know, go for younger managers. And I think um I'd heard that like Louis Morte's had his name sort of thrown in there and that'd be an interesting appointment. So yeah, that I don't know, it feels like if if it's not worked for them sort of so far, whether you go for something completely different, but then of course that you know there's risk to that. So it depends. Yeah, if you swing from one extreme to the other, whether that messes with kind of the culture or whatever they they want to build. 
well, this being a, a football podcast, I'll have made the announcement just after we finish recording, uh, no doubt. <laughs> now then, there are some who say losing away at Bristol City deserves dismissal, uh, and those some include the people in power at Barnsley who ditched Marcus shop after the Tykes allowed the Robins to finally snap that winless home streak at the 18th time of asking. I mean, they really tried not to win this, Sam. They even went behind. But in the end, they, they were indebted to two lovely finishes from Andreas Weimann. I think we can say that he meant both of those. Yeah, two really well-constructed goals as well. I think uh, Masengo and Chris Martin played a part in that in that second one. But but you're right, this was a... I, I mean, I thought Barnsley had a better shape in, in this game. I think they looked like the more cohesive unit, which considering their managers just have uh, been disposed of. That's, um, yeah, says it all about Bristol City. It was just absolutely about getting three points. It didn't matter how it came. And how Devante Cole missed that opportunity late on, I don't know. He's about, what, two or three yards from the goal. Just need to direct on the target. And they would have got themselves a point. So it was a little bit fortuitous. Do I see it getting much better for Bristol City? Probably not, but... Yeah, it's going to get better at home, sorry. But, um, you know, I don't see them challenging this year. Um, I think there's still a lot of work for uh, Nigel Pearson to do. But in terms of a result, this was absolutely enormous. 626 days um, since the natives have been able to enjoy a Saturday night cider. Who's getting the Barnsley job, Clark? Yeah, I was half wondering if Gerhard Struber might be uh, tempted to come back. I know he's on a pretty decent run at the moment with the New York Red Bulls, but they tend to pick a random name, don't they, rather than somebody who you would think of, expecting them to stay with that model? Well, has Abby not booked in an Austrian Bundesliga expert? I mean, I thought that would have been the first thing that she would have done this morning, but there you go. Look, I don't know. Most of their managers, they do tend to get from there, don't they? So... The likelihood is we might not have heard of them, but but yeah, it, it feels like it might be the right time to maybe move away from that model and, and bring in someone that that has more experience of of the championship. There are a lot of good managers out of work at the moment that might might want to take on the challenge at Barnsley that might be less risky than a, than an unknown parachuted in. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see. The only way is up. Whoever gets the job because. They've won, shot won one of 16 games. Yeah, that, it's an absolute shocker, isn't it, from shop? So, um, so yeah, I have to say that the performances haven't been that bad lately. They've created quite a lot of chances and I definitely feel like they're on the up, Barnsley, but but results obviously are all that, that matter. And, and yeah, the, the, he had to go. He really did. But, yeah, in answer to your question, haven't haven't got a Scooby, really. Uh, Christian Ilza, 44 years old, currently coach of Sturm Graz. Uh, let's get him in, probably. Welcome to Oakwell. Uh, Saturday's early kickoff saw relentless winning machine Fulham maintain their fine recent run by swatting aside West Brom to claim their fourth victory in a row. You won't believe who got all three goals. Oh, wait, it was Alexander Mitrovic. Uh, Sam, not the most spectacular hat trick this, but he's on course for 155 goals by the time the season ends, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, I think um, Colin Murray on Quest last week went for 34 and I pulled him up on it on Saturday and I thought, you've gone big there about two o'clock. And then obviously I look ridiculous having said that because of <laughs> he could get anything he wants now. Um, I, I didn't anticipate him probably doing it to this great effect. Um, 
he was helped out, wasn't he, by by West Brom, certainly for the first two. I didn't think it was a penalty, although it's a strange challenge because Carl Bartley's foot <laughs> goes in between um, Mitrovic's legs to pluck the ball. So it was a little bit of an innocuous challenge. Can understand why the ref gave it, but it, it wasn't a penalty. And obviously what followed was a good period for West Brom. And then I thought Seri's part in the second goal was kind of undervalued really because he put Snodgrass under real pressure probably a bit of contact which just made um, uh, Snodgrass fluff his pass really back to the goalkeeper but an absolute gift for, for someone in that type of form so yeah it kind of went for Fulham at the weekend I probably didn't think that was th- 3-0 was a fair reflection um, but in terms of Mitrovic yeah when you've got him at Fulham and you've got Solanke at Bournemouth that's why I think there's a little bit of a gap developing and probably is going to continue to do so because those two players in particular are the difference makers. And maybe Brereton at Blackburn as well, we'll see them, um, you know, upset the odds and maybe, you know, get around the playoffs as well this year because you've got players banging form. Yeah, Seri, one of the one of the most on-form players in the league at the moment. As, as Sam mentioned, dreadful error from the Snodfather for the second goal and kind of typifying West Brom's away day woes at the minute, Clarkie, unbeaten in their first on the road, now lost their last three. They've only scored one goal in that time. Is there a reason you can think of as to why that might be the case? Just a bit one-dimensional, aren't they, West Brom Albion? If If you can handle their press, handle their long throws and corners and free kicks, then you can legitimately ask, what, what, what have West Brom got? I think... The thing is, they've got really good players. They've got some excellent individuals, but but they're they're very, you know, they're built around this this style of playing, aren't they? I, I do feel that for them to get top two, Sam's right. They need a different striker, someone more prolific, and they need a bit more tactical variety because if you negate Plan A, yeah, it, it's it's quite comfortable for teams to to keep them out. It, it seems. I, I, I don't think. I've got nothing against Jordan Hugill, but I, I don't think you're getting promoted with in the top two with Jordan Hugill up top. I just don't. I, I, I think that they need to to upgrade in that in that position. I would definitely have Robinson ahead of him. You know, in in the short term, I think that he he makes more of a difference. Yeah, just a, just a little bit limited. I also think in central midfield. Again, I, I said this last week about Serie really showed the difference between a top midfield in the championship and, and and a sort of okay midfield. I think you can kind of look at the West Brom engine room as well and say, look, Livermore and Snodgrass, is that is that in the same league as, as, as a Fulham midfield? I, I, you know, I just don't think it is. So, so yeah, just positions for, for them to strengthen in January, clearly. Two red cards in this game, Nancy. I think that well, one of them was absolutely right. I think I think the referee got both calls correct, didn't he? Yeah, um, that tackle from uh, it was Adarabaya, wasn't it? On uh, mm. on Diangana, that that was yeah, shocking. Like you can see. I mean, I know people always say replays make it worse, but it wasn't good at all. And then yeah, I, th- I thought actually um, there was a challenge from Snodgrass on Anthony Robinson, and he sort of came in, flew in with his elbow, and and I don't think he. He may not even have got a card for that. And I thought he was probably lucky with that one, actually, because, again, that one looked pretty like he'd left his elbow in or absolutely led with it, you know. So, um, but yeah, otherwise, I think um, probably the right right to have had those um, those two red cards. But the other one was for Furlong, wasn't it? But, um, but yeah, I think that was probably fair for those two. 
On on the furlong one, I think it's that high line costing them a game. It's, obviously, it's the way they play because they want to just squeeze and press. They're willing to take that risk with the high line. But yeah, more and more managers are building strategies to exploit that that West Bromwich Albion high line. So again, I think that just Ismail needs to have a look at what he can do when when teams suss out their you know their main tactical approach. So yeah, but a bit of thinking for him to do, I think. Hey, Abby, put that Austrian contacts book down and um, tell us how uh, Aka did on Saturday, please, because we were close. We were so close. We were a Cardiff comeback away from actually winning an Aka, but my choice of, uh, yeah, Stoke to beat Cardiff let us all down and for which I can only apologise again. (laughs) But there's good news, isn't there, if you backed it with Paddy Power... Yes, because Paddy Power have their Acker insurance. That means that if one leg of your fourfold Acker uh, lets you down, then you get your money back as a free bet, which is what I believe we're going to do. Yeah, we are. We're going to do another one based on the midweek games. Uh, Nancy, you've picked a championship fixture for us. Yeah, I have. I've gone for um, Blackpool to beat Stoke. Quite fancy them. They're in a good spot of form. And obviously, we've talked about Stoke and kind of what's happening there. So, um, yeah. Neil Critchley's uh, not going under the radar any longer, is he? (laughs) Everyone's talking about him. So, yeah, I quite fancy them. Uh, Abby, did Paddy Power agree with Nancy? Yeah, they are uh, 19 to 10, Blackpool, um, as we like to say on this podcast. They're in a good moment, beating Sheffield United (laughs) at the weekend. Uh, That draw is 21 to 10 with the the Stoke win coming in at 7 to 5. Adrian, you've got a championship pick as well, right? I have, yeah. I've got, I'm looking at the Black, Blackburn Fulham game. I think it's got the look of a good one. I really do. I think Blackburn will try and go for it, try and get at Fulham, who don't keep that many clean sheets. I know they got one at the weekend. So I'm going for both teams to score in this one. It's happened in 11 of 15 Blackburn games. It's happened in 9 of 15 Fulham games. So the percentages are quite high. Blackburn v Fulham, both teams to score, please. Abby, what odds can you give us on that? Yeah, Paddy Power see that as uh, more likely than not. That's 8-11 to 11 for both teams to score. Uh, Fulham, obviously, the favourites given the flying form they're in at the moment. They're 10-11 to 11 with uh, Blackburn 14-5 to 5 and the draw 12-5. to 5. All of that puts our double at the moment at 4-1. to 1. Lovely. Right, there's loads to talk about in League One. What say we meet on the other side of this break and do just that? Here at Paddy Power, we know being realistic can mean different things to different people. A realistic fullback doesn't pay attention when a fan tells him to shoot from 40 yards out. And a realistic Arsenal fan won't be making plans for Champions League away days anytime soon. So for Safer Gambling Week, we want to make sure that all our customers have set themselves a realistic deposit limit on their accounts, so you never bet more than you can afford. Search Paddy Power Deposit Limit to set yours. Paddy Power. 18plusbegambleaware.org Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an Athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. 
At League One headlines, Plymouth once again rub Clarkey's nose in it by stretching their lead at the top after coming from behind to beat Ipswich and breaking Paul Cook in the process. And then after we go 2-1 behind, probably have the best spell in the game that we have, create probably three or four clear-cut chances, they have to score. And unfortunately for us, we didn't. You know, and when you give goals away, it puts pressure on you the other end. Wickham lost ground on the leaders after drawing 3-3 with Fleetwood. Charlton are out of the relegation zone after a demolition of Doncaster, which gave them back-to-back wins. And Ipswich under-23 coach Kieran Dyer needs a liver transplant. He said, I see myself as a very positive person that will overcome this minor setback. And now then, Black Cats usually all the rage around Halloween, but there was no need for Rotherham to fear when Sunderland crossed their path on Saturday as the Millers went five-star at the New York, New York Stadium. An old-fashioned doing from the Rotherham centre-forwards, according to Wordsmith S. Parkin on the television on Saturday night. Would you care to expand on that a bit, Sam? Well, I'm biased, aren't I? But it's nice seeing two centre-forwards in tandem, quite old school, certainly in... Um, Michael Smith's case he's ex-Swindon as well so I always talk him up but I think he's 8-7 now love the celebrations he's a Geordie so he did the Shearer uh, quickly followed by the Kevin Nolan which I liked a little uh, <laughs> little medley um, that's great could have done a Keegan or something as well couldn't he <laughs> yeah. uh, so, or uh, Peter Beardsley that would have been good um, so yeah no, I like that and I thought just Ladapo now he's got the He's got the pressure of Will Grigg being at the club and some people probably prefer that combination. He needed to produce and, and I thought he really did in the opening 45 minutes, which I watched and and Flanagan, big problem for him. I don't think Bailey Wright's been much better when he's been played recently. So they need to find a partner for Doyle um, at Sunderland. That's clear as day to me. And and the other point I made was about the middle of the pitch. I mean, Luke O'Nine and young Dan Neal got bullied. Um, they, they really did. So that, that was it. You know, you know what you're going to get at Rotherham. You've got to stand up to it. Best um, exponents of the, the dead balls in the division. That was their 11th at the weekend. Balls in for Smith, winning headers far too easily. So they didn't do the basics right, Sunderland. And with those two chaps at the moment in the form they're in, that's going to happen to a lot more teams. Yeah, one for the expected goals fans out there. And I know there are loads of you out there. <laughs> uh, Freddie Ladapo, expected goals per game. 0.76, the most in League One. And Smith, 0.62 expected goals per game, the second highest in League One. So look, the two centre forwards are the two most likely goal scorers in, in the division at the moment. You know, it's remarkable, really. You've got Smith, who's, who's having, um, he's got the most goals in the division now, but he's having the most shots on target and he's having the most shots in the box. So he's really hot right now. I don't know if it would translate to a team that didn't play so much in this style. Um, I know there was interest, I think maybe from Bristol City in um, in the summer. So when he does move on, because I think he will get the opportunity again to go to a, a club maybe that's got bigger resources in the championship. Be be interesting to see how he does in a in a side that play a different style. Nancy, every time I talk about Rotherham, I use the phrase under the radar. Uh, it gets more and more difficult to justify the use of that. Yorkshire is very much a beat that you know well. They're probably the team on the up in Yorkshire at the moment, aren't they? And you get the feeling that it almost suits them to, to not be as talked about as the Sheffield clubs and, and maybe even Barnsley at the moment. And Paul Warren's happy to just keep going about his business, ticking off the wins and moving up the league. Yeah, it's a pretty depressing uh, patch at the minute up in Yorkshire. But um, but no, I'm a massive fan of just the way the Rotherham do things, of Paul Warren, like... The way that they went down last season was heartbreaking. They had that rubbish 
spell where they had like 10 games in about two weeks, which obviously didn't help them at all. And, you know, the way that happened, they literally did everything they could pretty much. I mean, obviously people will say, well, they should have won more or whatever, but, they, you know, they pretty much did everything they could to stay up. And and so, you know, now I think they're having their best ever start under Paul Warren. And it would have been so easy to just, you know, if they did things differently to how they do it, to sack him or completely overhaul things. And, and actually, you know, they've shown that they know what they're doing. They have faith in the way that they do things. And, you know, their big challenge is staying in the championship should they get up again. But yeah, they're really, I think for them, you know, being in the shadow of, if you want to call it that, of like Wednesday United, Barnes even, I don't think they even worry about that too much because because they know what they're about and what their ambitions are. And, and you know, they don't need to to do things the way that those other nearby clubs do it. So, um, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Rotherham's. Yeah, they know how to get out of this league, so you think they'll be there or thereabouts come the season's end too. Uh, elsewhere in League One, Liam proving he's the man in as MK Dons get back to winning ways. It's still not so solid, Crew. Fourth loss on the bounce here for Crew Clarkie. It's uh, only the 1st of November, but it's looking pretty grim for the Railwaymen. It's not, not looking good at all. I mean, yeah, I don't think they're being unlucky. You know, they only had five shots in this game. Only only one on target, and obviously that's the one, the one that they scored from. Pretty shambolic defending, you have to say, from from most members of the back four. And McFadden the left back, and Donovan Daniels got got a lot of flack, I think, from the the Alex fans after this game. But yeah, it just feels like they're coming to the end of another cycle, doesn't it, Crew? They're a very cyclical, cyclical club, whereby every few years. They develop an unbelievable crop of players. They all get sold off bit by bit as they climb the leagues. And then and then because they've sold them, they end up going back down a little bit. And and yeah, I'd say that in the here and now, crew look very likely to get relegated at the end of this season. I mean, then you know, the XG against is the is the highest the second lowest at the other end of the pitch in terms of the expected goals from open play to score. So at both ends, quite quite weak, really. Um, and the manager is sort of chopping and changing the systems. I think they, I think they played for back three at Wickham and did really well. And then for this game, went to 4-3-3 and, and were quite exposed. So so he'll be looking at himself, maybe David Artell, and thinking, ah, did I, did I get that one wrong? But um, look, I, I think MK Dons, in truth, are the kind of team that on their day if you if you're not at it they can spank anyone because they're they're free flowing attacking side with 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 a bit of talent so so yeah it's um it's a worry for crew because they're getting battered um seemingly every other week at the moment MK Dons wise, Nancy, your new Bezzy Moisa uh, missed a penalty, but it didn't matter because he scored later on. They're never gonna be the neutrals favourite, but you have to admire the way that they play. Yeah, and you know, I think for them to have started, I know October's been a little tricky for them, but for them to have started as well as they have under Liam Manning, you know, and to have continued obviously with Russell Martin going and how important he was, it's been fantastic. And I think that uh, Mo's goal was his 50th in professional football. I mean, he was scoring for fun when he was in non-league, so he's he has actually scored way more than 50 senior goals. But um, but yeah, I think he'd kind of been uh, keeping an eye on that for a few weeks and have been frustrated in the few games leading up to to this one. So um, at least he managed to bag it even with that that missed penalty but yeah they're in, they're, you know like you say they're not going to be everyone's favourite but um, they are an interesting team to keep an eye on 
Lots of boxes ticked here for them, Sam, actually, including a goal for Max Waters. Remember him? He was he was the next big thing, what, a year ago? And then he had that horrible time at Cardiff. So good to see him back amongst the goals. Yeah, he'll be feeling a lot better about things this morning. Um, I think that's his second for, for the club. But yeah, they've got great attacking talent. Brilliant array. You know, the four that they've got with, with Parrott, um, Issa, Waters, and of, of course, Scott Twine. They've got people that are going to score you know, regularly. So there's a real spread around the team. And I don't think you can say that about, you know, some of the sides that are going to be competing for promotion in, in League One. So they've got, you know, real talent in the forward areas, scored with every shot on target at the weekend. So I think it probably flattered them a little bit. But I think, you know, Clarkie spoke about the style a little bit and and crew normally going to set up in that four three three. I think... Um, MK Dons, you know, with that five across the middle, just really dominate proceedings here. And the, the right-sided wing-back, Chiozo, uh, Loney, involved in all four goals. So he had a, a stellar afternoon. Um, had a bit of a wobble, MK Dons, so perfect way to get going again. And the fans seem to be, you know, fully behind Liam Mannon, who's had a pretty good start to life in that job. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, definitely right to point out Kiosa. I mean, what a performance from him. Quite remarkable. I just wanted to also mention Matt O'Reilly. I think we we mentioned this earlier on in the season, but he was excellent yet again. I think he's one of the players in League One that could, that looks likely to to kick on and maybe go, and, go on and play at a higher level. He's, he's just turned 20, Matt O'Reilly, three goals, two assists, consistently delivering good performances. And just want to cast your mind back I did mention this I think before but he quit Fulham um, he refused to sign a new deal at Fulham they wanted to keep him and during the pandemic he effectively walked away from a new deal there and was clubless training on his own at, uh, you know in a park in West London was given the chance by by Russell Martin and that chance that trial if you if you like that successful trial could end up making MK Don's a lot of money because I think I think it will go for money um, at some point in the, in the not too distant future. Mm, good on him. Good on Russell Martin. Um, Nancy, apologies on your debut. We're not we're not playing to your strengths by having you on a, a Monday when you're a Wednesday expert. So tell us a bit about about Sheffield Wednesday and how they're doing just now. Two two with Cheltenham at the weekend. Four draws in a row. A little bit off the playoffs. Not exactly what what uh, they were expecting to see this season. No, I dream of the day that I'm on this podcast and you come to me and I just bring happy news from Hillsborough, but um, <laughs> it's um, still fairly bleak, I'm afraid. Uh, yeah, just, well, that result against Cheltenham is just the story of the last three seasons at Wednesday. Um, you know, they've, they came from behind, which was unusual, and everyone was thinking, here we go, this might be the first time since 2016 was the last time they came from behind to win, I think, which is just ridiculous um just such a bonkers stat like and and so you know that it's definitely you know not over until it's over and um and of course chat will get get back in it and i mean there's a lot of very frustrated wednesday fans and you can understand why because i think they started well and they thought here we go you know it's this is how it's meant to be um <laughs> everything's clicking and i think there's a few things like i'm not sure that Darren Moore's quite settled on his favourite or his best team or his best uh, formation yet. Um, I think Marvin Johnson's been playing centre-back for a couple of games, which is sort of a, an odd choice on paper. And then I, I think there was some 
some of the goals uh, lately have kind of been because of shaky <laughs> defensive decisions and stuff. So, yeah, it's too many draws as well. If they want to get promoted, that they can't keep drawing as many games as they have. And um, and yeah, so they they don't really look like the team that I think uh, fans would have hoped by this point of the season. Might be another season in League One for them. Um, while we finish on League One, let's get some odds. Sam, you're going to take a selection from the third tier for our record? Yeah, I'm going to go for Charlton, Rotherham. Oh, I'm going to go over 2.5 goals. Um, I think there's been 43 goals in Charlton's 15 games, which seems quite a lot to me. And they got four at the weekend. And only Ipswich have scored more than Rotherham. So I'm not sure that both teams are going to score. So I'll go for the over 2.5. Abby, can we get some odds on that? Yeah, for the over 2.5, it is 19 to 20 for that one. Um, Rotherham, un- unsurprisingly, favourites there. Evans, Charlton, 13 to 5. And the draw, 23 <coughs> to 10. Stop it. How many to 5? <laughs> 13. <laughs> Most Scottish Every week. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, you keep doing it. I'm going to go for Wickham versus Ipswich. Both teams to score because Wickham are great at home and Ipswich usually score. What are the odds on that, please? Yeah, for both teams to score in this one, it's 13 to 20. I said it correctly for you there. Um, Interestingly, four of Ipswich's six games last month ended 2-1 to the home side. So if you fancy backing Wickham to beat Ipswich 2-1, then that is 8-1 with Paddy Power. As for our ACA, though, we are looking at a nice 14.98-1 or 15-1 if you want to Mm. round upwards. So Juicy. We could be in for something. We may not be in for something. It'll be fun to find out regardless. (laughs) Either way, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Okay, League Two next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football League show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with everything Totally by following us at The Totally Show on Twitter. League Two headlines, Neil Cox and Scunthorpe have parted company. The teams sit at the bottom of the 92, just two wins to their name. On Saturday, Harrogate were the only team in the top seven to lose. There are five sides on 23 points from Orient in six to Hartlepool in 11th. If you're wondering who'd win a game between them, we'll tell you soon. Walsall are unbeaten in six, a run that's taken them to the brink of the top half. And Mansfield climbed out of the relegation zone after beating Tranmere to record their first win since August. Carlisle take the Stags' place in the bottom two. Uh, the Scunthorpe sacking 
Not a massive surprise, this one. Nancy, you've been speaking with supporters recently. It's not been a happy place. There have been protests. There's been all sorts going on. Uh, where do they go next? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult question, actually, because I think, um, you know, from the fans I've been speaking to, they basically said that part of the reason why things haven't maybe got worse just yet than, than they already have with some protests was because, um, you know, they've got sort of a one of their own in the managerial position. Um, in Cox, but obviously he's gone now. So, um, and I think it was the first time in a really long time, you know, decades that they'd, they'd had someone from Scunthorpe who was, you know, the manager there. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it's just really bleak. It, it sounds like there's a lot of, you know, unrest and unhappiness and, you know, they chained the, the gates to the, to the stadium shut against Forest Green the other week and they had to get a tractor to kind of rip the bolt off the, the gate because you know the fans are really unhappy with the way this is going and and it's not an exaggeration where when some of them have said to me we're going to end up like south end if you know if things don't change soon and yeah there's so many things sort of on and off the pitch that i think their reason you know they're not unjustified in being unhappy with but it doesn't get worse than being rooted to the bottom of the efl really does it so not happy times South End aficionado, Adrian Clark. Bells ringing all over the place for you here. Oh, there are the similarities, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, off the pitch. If, if things aren't right off the pitch at League Two clubs, it can easily translate into performances on it. And uh, yeah, Neil Cox, it never really worked, never really clicked for him. I know that he's, he's one of their own, but he lost 39 of 69 matches in charge so I think with that kind of ratio it's pretty lucky to get to 69 if I if I'm being honest um very low win ratio of sort of 21 percent so yeah look, it needs a reboot but unless they sort out the things that that are troubling everybody away from the the actual football then then I suspect results will will be wildly inconsistent too yeah they look in trouble every year we get one we get a side in league two it's a bit of a crisis club and it might be them this year, sadly. Sam, former Iron boss Nigel Adkins is amongst the front runners to take it. Motivational tweets and encouragements to go out on walks are great, but they might not stop you from slipping into the National League at this stage. I would do it for free, wouldn't he, Nigel? Such a nice fella. Um, it's a bit of a commute, though, isn't it? I think he's down in the New Forest, isn't he? Um, but yeah. It's a long walk, that's for sure. It's a fair old walk. But yeah, on paper, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? I. Honestly, I think on the face of it, that's been one of the toughest jobs in the Football League, you know, for, for Neil Cox in, in in recent times. I think having lost the players they did in the summer, not just the attacking players, the two that went to Bradford. I know they're not pulling up trees, but lost those two. Some decent defensive players for League Two level. And, you know, I would imagine, I'm not privy to the type of budget that they've got there, but it will be big stealing and borrowing to try and put a squad together, wheeling and dealing with not much money to play with. So I have real sympathy for him. And I don't know if anyone can come in and do a better job right now when you look at that calibre of player they've got in the squad, being brutally honest. I think the performances have improved a little bit with Ryan Loft um, back in uh, with Scrimshaw he's been playing. So I think the front two has, has shown a little bit of potential. But I don't know, maybe... Maybe a reset, as Adrian says, um, and it might be going, you know, with a younger manager with different ideas and trying to get a bit of a an ethos. I'm not sure if a an experienced guy would be 
exactly the answer right now. Normally, that's what we say, someone to come in and rougher a few feathers. I think the problems are probably a bit deeper than that. Yeah, uh, Sam's right. I, th- I think it might be the weakest squad in the in the EFL. So so in that in that sense, it's maybe a pass there for for Neil Cox. He's he's had his team stripped really, and I think they're where they probably should be. And it is like South End. South End stripped back their squad because of cutbacks, and went with sort of a lot of risky signings that were unproven that had failed elsewhere, and you know. Hey, presto, they, that's what happened at South End. Yeah, now they're in the relegation zone in the National League. Uh, right then, heard the one about the referee who forgot to play added on time, so decided to do it at the start of the second half. A minimum of four minutes were added on to the first half. This is the game between Leighton Orient and Hartlepool. Only two were played, so ref Alan Young decided to rectify that by making the teams play out at the start of the second um, Sam, you, you were in the company of Dermot Gallagher on Saturday uh, and he gave you a rather dry but satisfactory explanation. Perhaps you'd like to share it with us. I, I can't believe I'm going to relay this. I'll get, I'll get my children in now to try and get them to nod off, shall I? Um, yeah, I was earwigging actually. He was speaking to Joby McEnough. I was far too busy uh, getting me head around the uh, Newport 5, Stephen Neil, which we're going to come on to. But um, basically, he should have um, brought them straight back and played that four minutes once he'd uh, realised his mistake and then had the half-time 15 minutes. But I think the way that the circumstances unravelled, he'd kind of gone beyond that point. So what he did uh, was, uh, in the, in the second phase, the correct thing. So nearly got it bang on, and that's from, from Dermot Gallagher. But I think it all probably occurred. I'm kind of reading minds here, but there was a big... Um, melee, there was a bit of a kerfuffle with Darren Prattley having not received what should have been a second yellow card in the first half. So maybe uh, referee was phased. See if I can phase you. <laughs> you can't, but I like the office quote as always. Um, Nancy, we were chat- chatting on Thursday about the standard of refereeing in the EFL and, and whether it had gone down, given what Clarkie and I saw in the, the Forest-Fulham game last week and then what happened with that ludicrous offside decision between QPR and Sunderland. What, what have you noticed going around the grounds in the league this season? Is, is there a kind of consistent level between all three divisions or is it just, you know, one day you get a rubbish ref, one day you get a decent one? Uh, yeah, I think I'll go for the latter one. <laughs> it's luck of the draw. I don't know, it's... Um... I think of the games that I've seen, I've actually been really impressed and I don't know if that's the uh, the answer you were looking for there. But um, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, I spoke to, um, I did interview with Re- Rebecca Welch at the start, uh, just before the season. And um, uh, it's probably unpopular to say, but it gave me a lot more respect for refs to realise because, you know, I was just like, well, they turn up and, you know, they do some running in the week and then they, you know, they ref the game. But <laughs> they do so much work. And, um, and I think she she's great like a real inspiration and, and she's had a cracking start um I saw her at Rochdale uh ref a game there a, a few months ago but yeah I don't know it's um it's funny isn't it because if you're not arguing about uh the refereeing decisions in the EFL then people are arguing about VAR in the Premier League so <laughs> I think it's just uh we can all feel so to be grumpy all the time and, and <laughs> that's why we like football isn't it a uh, big win this for Orient. Well done to them. Their first victory, actually, in the league since the 18th of September. Not a great weekend for Hartlepool, though, Clarky. First of all, Jeff Stelling announces he's leaving soccer Saturday. And then I see Dave mm. Challoner is being linked with the Stockport job. We know they got some cash to splash, but he seems wedded to Hartlepool to me. That would be a real blow for them. 
I don't know. I think everyone's got their price, haven't they? And, and I think there were issues with, with Challenger signing a new contract not so long ago. I remember talking about how he didn't feel valued by the Hartlepool board. So I think for taking them up into the Football League again, he was expecting a slightly heftier pay rise that didn't maybe materialise. So, so look, I, yeah, I, it's unhelpful, isn't it? And he, I, I don't, I don't believe that his head wouldn't be turned. Obviously, he, he's up in the EFL now, and he wouldn't want to drop down. But, but if you're going to double your money or anything like that, then, 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 yeah, you, you wouldn't write it off. But yeah, it was a horrible performance. He described it as one of the worst he's ever been associated with. Dave Challoner, they were their own worst enemies. I mean, they lost the ball inside their own half for almost all of the goals. It was quite remarkable, really. Great pressing from from Leighton Orient, give them credit, but Hartlepool didn't seem to learn learn their lessons today. It was it was a Halloween horror show for for Hartlepool. So uh, yeah, and Leighton Orient back in business. I think I think they're a really good team. I think that they're they're in the playoff positions without really have got going so to speak um, and, and a great individual performance obviously from Aaron Drinnen three goals and two assists in the game you know it's not very often you can you can claim the match ball and, and that only tells half the story because you've set up the other two so um, yeah great for the O's Hartlepool shocking weekend for them yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna claim Aaron Drinnen uh, as mine because I I had Broughton <laughs> Diaz didn't I after one week of the season he's gonna get twenty Drinnen unbelievable when I saw him early part of the season so he could be he, he's lost his goal scoring touch but he was dropped him. he was dropped yeah. the last three games he, he didn't play so so quite the comeback from him there you go and meet on the bones for uh, Dave Challoner former Stockport player because yeah. unless I'm um, mistaken I ran past him a few times at Edgeley Park and stuck, <laughs> it, stuck a couple in the corner <laughs> <laughs> Might be mistaken about that, but he definitely played for Stockport. Uh, final game we're going to look at James Robery. What a run he's on! Quite the impact at Newport thus far. Back to back wins for the Exiles now. The latest of 5 0 against Stevenage. Was he done, Clarky, to turn them round so quickly, or was it you know as much about just getting a new voice in there? Mike Flynn, we spoke about how it all went sour for him at the end. Just a, the proverbial breath of fresh air, perhaps. Yeah, eight goals in two games. That sort of officially he's in charge of two different systems. Three five two in the first match at Bristol. In this one, it was a four four two diamond. Um, one thing he he has changed, but it was kind of forced because Ed Upson. I think was suspended. He, he put Robbie Wilmot in as the sort of deep-lying midfield playmaker and, and he labelled it a masterclass from Wilmot. So that that was a, a big tick. What I really like about this diamond, so you've got Wilmot, who you wouldn't have thought would be a deep-lying playmaker, but but he did really well in at the weekend. And he's got the three young loan players sort of scurrying around him. Um, Azaz, Finn Azaz, who scored a great goal in this game from Villa, uh, Ollie Cooper on loan from Swansea, who looks a real player. He got two assists in the game. And Jake Kane, who's on loan from Liverpool. So he's got the three little grafters. And then he's got two, uh, a front two that he's inherited, really, in, in Dom Telford and Baker Richardson that have that have found form probably before he got there. So he's he's fallen on his feet in some respects. But, but yeah, he, I think he's, he knows what he's doing, James Robry. And, the fact that he, he's found this four four two diamond early on and it works so well against Stevenage does bode well, you'd imagine, for them moving forward. 
And he's got an easy link, hasn't he, Nancy, or an easy way to, to get himself ingratiated with the support. He was born on Carisbrook Road, less than a mile from Rodney Parade. That, that doesn't get you a load of credit with supporters, but but it's certainly something that he can lean into if he needs to. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like that sort of connection always helps, um, whether whether it's going, you know, well or not, if you're... They can, if fans can claim you as one of, one of their own, then you know you're off to a, a flying start. But um, but no, this is a good result and good news for me because I think in my like preseason EFL uh, predictions on the Athletic, I'd put Newport to get promoted. So <laughs> if they could just carry on smashing teams five 0 every week, that'd be uh, that'd be great stuff. But um, yeah, I I wanted to like say that. Um, Baker Richardson's goal as well was, was a really oh. nice one. I thought it was a great strike. So yeah, probably the pick sw- of them. Yeah, that was a yeah. ping, wasn't it? There were three worldies, weren't there, in the game. So that always makes, you know, we can say that tactically he, he was great and he's had such an impact with his fresh voice. But the bottom line is there were three spanking strikes from his players, which had nothing to do with James Robery. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's sort of um, part him, part players, really. Uh, in the other dugout, Sam, what's Alex Revel slash Alex Revel going to do about <laughs> Stevenage? They haven't even managed to score a goal in the last four games. Only the kind of crumminess of other teams around them is keeping them outside of the relegation zone, but they can't continue at this rate. 391 minutes. I just did the maths when you were talking. <laughs> um, they haven't scored four. Uh, I don't know. They were improved in the second half. He changed it at half time. Van Kooten went back into centre-half and they went 3-5-2, which is a shape that they have played before. I think a fortnight ago I spoke about Stevenage, you know, playing a slightly different way this year, probably been a little bit more expansive. Um, really pushed the fullbacks on in the first half, but Newport negated that, as Clarkey said, by, you know, playing out through Wilmot and that that talented um, trio that support in the front two. So they weren't able to put enough pressure or win the ball high up and uh, enough in in this game. So I don't know really because they were so good defensively last year. And when you look at the squad, they should be that again. They got some good experience in that squad, Stevenage. But I suppose they're going to have to stop shipping goals. That's got got to be the first thing and win some tight games, which they were experts in last year. I, I don't think they can, you know, reinvent the wheel right now and and maybe do what Newport did, you know, under Michael Flynn and went from being quite a direct industrious side to really pretty on the eye team that's not going to happen for Stevenage this year because of the predicament they're in right now so get more defensively solid whether he's going to get the opportunity to do so I probably doubt because you know reading uh, up on them supporters are not having him not having him one bit so needs to win a game and, and win it soon Uh, right, before we go, ahead of Neil Warnock's record-breaking 1,602nd game in management, we're going to celebrate the man by playing Neil or no Neil. I have a selection of quotes in front of me. All you have to do is tell me whether it was Neil Warnock or not. Uh, Nancy, you can go first. I'm not going to do the accent. The quote is, matches don't come any bigger than the FA Cup quarterfinals. Is that Neil or no Neil? Oh, I'm going to say no, Neil. Mm, incorrect. That was Neil. Oh. Uh, and he was incorrect as well, because, of course, the semi and the final are bigger <laughs> than the quarterfinal. It's a classic. Uh, Clarky, this one's for you. The money players are on these days is immoral, but you can't knock it. Neil or no, Neil? <laughs> you can't knock it. 
Um, I'm going to go for um, no Neil. That was Neil Warnock as well. Uh, over oh. two so far, guys. Let's see if Sam Shocker. can Shocker. pick things up a little bit. Uh, was this yeah. Neil or no Neil, Sam? It was like watching an 18-year-old playing in a game for 12-year-olds. You're not, you're not going to give us the clue by putting the me on the end of it. <laughs> uh, that's what we need. Uh, yeah. uh, love it, me. Um, that's no, Neil. It's got to be, in it? Law of averages. <laughs> yeah, correct. It was Glenn Hoddle, uh, that one. I, I've got a couple more. Uh, Neil or no, Neil, Nancy. Running is for animals. You need a brain and a ball for football. I'll go. <laughs> this is I'm, I'm second guessing literally everything now. I'll go. No, Neil. No, Neil. Correct. No, Neil. That Lovely. was Louis. He Van loves Hart. running. Yeah, that, that yeah. had to be no. Neil. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> How about this one, Clarky? He's six foot something, fit as a flea, good looking. He's got to have something wrong with him. Hopefully he's hung like a hamster. That would make us all feel better. <laughs> Having said that, my missus has got a pet hamster at home, and his cock's massive. Neil or no, Neil? What? <laughs> I mean, that, that's a Warner Holloway hybrid, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, surely no one's ever said that. Um, and how do we not? How do I not know that? Um, Neil. No, Neil. Sam kind of gave you a clue there. It was Ian Holloway was talking about Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> Sam, you get the final one. Uh, let's see. There's one here which I think is really obvious, so I won't go for that. <laughs> I really think it's about time we use the means to sort these things out rather than relying on some bald-headed bloke standing 50 yards away. Neil or no Neil? It's fitting, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> Neil. Yeah, vintage Neil, that is, isn't it? Uh, the other option I had was I was going to call him a sewer rat, but that might be insulting to sewer rats, and I think we all know. <laughs> That is absolute classic Colin. Good luck to him on his big night. Many thanks, though, to Adrian, to Sam, to Nancy, and to producer Abby for knocking it all together. Mainly to you, though, listener. Do you want to meet us back here on Thursday? Sounds good. See you then. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an athletic media company production. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 